earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Are you driving right now? At home? Somewhere else with your mobile device? Catching the podcast? Well, friends, we're going full steam in our summer series, Touching Others with Our Faith. My hope has been and remains that we're discovering ways to reach out to people in our circles of relationships by naturally entering into spiritual conversations and shining for Jesus in our everyday lives. So, friends, today in Part 7, let's look at lighting our world to the glory of God. And if you've missed any of these previous programs or want to catch up or share these teachings with others, don't worry. You can access all the podcasts at faithtalk1360.com. Friends, I'd like to begin today's study by sharing a true experience that the late but well-known Bible teacher Keith L. Brooks had when he once spoke to a Christian businessman's gathering on the responsibility of Christians being lights in the world. In other words, Christians reflecting the light of the world, Jesus Christ. When the meeting ended, one of the attenders went up to Mr. Brooks and related an experience he recently had that served to drive home Brooks Point. The man continued, One evening, while in my basement, I noticed some potatoes had sprouted. I thought this was a little odd because I was careful to store the potatoes in the darkest corner of my cellar. At first, I couldn't figure out how the light was able to reach the potatoes to make them sprout. I was intrigued by this, so I looked around the cellar and happened to notice there was a copper kettle I had hung from the ceiling near one of the cellar windows. That kettle caught my attention because it was so well polished that it was able to reflect the rays of the sun right onto that sack of potatoes. So I said to Mr. Brooks, I thought to myself, I may not be a preacher or a teacher with the ability to expound on God. God's word like you do, but I can sure function like a copper kettle catching the rays of the sun, and he spelled it S-O-N, you know, the son of God, and reflect his light to someone in a dark corner. Friends, that's a pretty cool observation, isn't it? Perhaps before we move on to today's topic, I'll briefly recap where we've been. We took a look at spiritual sight and the challenge to look at people the way Jesus looked at them. We saw Jesus in action as he reached out and engaged the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. We then took a look at spiritual hearing and the challenge to be sensitive and listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. 
we saw Philip in action as he made himself available and reached out to the Ethiopian eunuch riding in his chariot in Acts 8. Then we took a look at spiritual action and the challenge to invite the Lord to engineer circumstances in such a way that we are there to offer help when an opportunity comes. We saw the Good Samaritan in action coming to the aid of a man beaten and left for dead in Luke 10. We even took a look at spiritual love, that is, biblical love, and we challenged ourselves to love with the Lord's love, you know, agape love. We sought to better understand Christ's love and how we might imitate it as the Bible instructs us. We even went a step further and contrasted this agape love with several other types and levels of human love mentioned in the scriptures or in the first century Greco-Roman world. Recall our focus was 2 Corinthians 5.14. The love of Christ controls us. I said that it's not enough to just be channels for God. We must be loving channels. After that, we looked at spiritual resources and how human resources fall short of meeting human needs. The challenge being to leave the solution with and to Christ. Here we watched Philip and Andrew in action, failing miserably when Jesus gave them the opportunity to come up with food for some 5,000 people in Matthew 14. Recall that I stressed the importance of consulting all the gospel accounts for their own tidbits adding to the story. It was only John's gospel that recorded the conversation between Jesus and Philip and Andrew. Last time we looked at spiritual favor and just what it meant to bring grace to others. The challenge here was to differentiate between merely humanitarian efforts and Christian ministry. Because, friends, as we've been learning, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs to the glory of God. And if you've been with us throughout the series, you may recall that I said as Christians, we are not just distributors of goods, we are distributors of grace. When we intersect with a situation or a person in need, we don't just bring aid or material goods, we actually bring grace. Amen. So friends, today in part seven, I'd like us to look at spiritual motivation and the challenge to examine why we do the things we do or why we don't do the things we should be doing. A few weeks ago, I asked the question, are you excited about and do you anticipate the possibility that the Lord may provide you with an opportunity to touch someone with your faith? Now, I'll admit that even here we have to be very careful because even this question can be viewed as being self-serving. In other words, we're not even supposed to be proactively engaged in sharing our faith for our own ends, as if thinking to ourselves, Hey, I led someone to the Lord today. Or, Hey, I shared the gospel with XYZ today. Or, Hey, I went over to so-and-so's house and told them about Jesus. Now, friends, those thoughts are actually good and right on the surface. But today I want to be absolutely certain we don't overlook another very important word in the fourth phrase of our four-pronged mantra we've been learning. 
The word in our ministry mantra is glory. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And friends, what's going to help us do this is digging a little below the surface of Ephesians 5, 8 through 20. Now, friends, unfortunately, Ephesians chapter 5 has been pigeonholed into the chapter that deals with marriage and the charges to husbands and wives. But the whole first half of the chapter has incredible truths, admonishments, exhortations to all of us in the body of Christ, and specifically how we should be living and acting, not only among ourselves, but with outsiders. So listen carefully and attempt to read a little between the lines. I've chosen a respected modern language translation because it has some vivid ways of communicating these truths. Ephesians 5, 8 through 20. Although you were once the personification of darkness, you are now light in the Lord. So act like children of the light, for the fruit of the light is in all that is good, right, and true. Make it your aim to learn what pleases our Lord. Don't get involved with the fruitless works of darkness. Instead, expose them to the light of God. You see, it's a disgrace to speak of their secrets, so don't even talk about what they do when no one's looking. When the light shines, it exposes even the dark and shadowy things and turns them into pure reflections of light. This is why they sing, Awake, you sleeper, rise from your grave, and the liberating king will shine on you. So be careful how you live. Be mindful of your steps. Don't run around like idiots as the rest of the world does. Instead, walk as the wise. Make the most of every living and breathing moment because these are evil times. So understand and be confident in God's will and don't live thoughtlessly. Don't drink wine excessively. The drunken path is a reckless path. It leads nowhere. Instead, let God fill you with the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're empowered to speak to each other in the soulful words of pious songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, to sing and make music with your hearts attuned to God, and give thanks to God the Father every day through the name of the Lord Jesus, the liberating King, for all he has done. Friends, let's unpack a few of these phrases to get at the heart of the matter that's likely on Paul's mind as I see it. Verse 10, make it your aim to learn what pleases the Lord. Other translations say, find out or determine. This implies conscious, proactive efforts on our part and demonstrates that we take our walk seriously. This will be supported by verse 15, our next comment. Verse 15, so be careful how you live. Another translation says, walk circumspectly, or as the Greek reads, walk diligently. These are descriptive words, particularly circumspectly, which means be cautious, careful to consider all related circumstances before acting or judging or deciding on a matter. 
Verse 16, make the most of the opportunity. I really like the translation I chose here. Make the most of every living and breathing moment. Another translation says, use every chance you have for doing good. This is a cool word here in the Greek New Testament because it covers two meanings, opportunity and time. So one meaning can be make the most of every opportunity and the other can be make the most of the time. Personally, either one works and both work as Christ followers living in the light and letting our light shine. We are to observe the times and take advantage of every opportunity the times afford us to touch others with our faith. And finally, verse 20, and give thanks to God the Father every day through the name of the Lord Jesus, the liberating King for all he has done. Well, friends, here in verse 20, I believe we have the smoking gun because Paul provides us with a subtle hint at the idea of glorifying God. And here you'll probably like to ask me, Pastor Tom, how does giving thanks suggest glorifying God? I'm glad you asked. Remember now, even though Paul is writing in Greek, he thinks like a Hebrew, and we westernized Gentile Christians reading our English Bibles have to read between the lines a little and arm ourselves with the familiarity of the Hebrew concept of worship. You see, friends, for the Hebrew mind, worship was not compartmentalized like we mistakenly think it is today. For the Hebrews, worship was not an aspect of life. It was life itself. Consider Psalm 104.33. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. And together with praise and worship, the Hebrews equated thankfulness. And praise, worship, and thankfulness point back to giving glory to God. And friends, glorifying God implies that we acknowledge him as sovereign, king, ruler, and give him credit for all that we are and have. Again, this idea can be traced back to the Psalms. Let me demonstrate with just a few passages. Psalm 66, 1 through 4. Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Because of the greatness of your power, your enemies will give feigned obedience to you. All the earth will worship you and will sing praises to your name. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Praise him. Bless his name. Did you notice the interplay between glory, worship, praise, bless, and thanksgiving? Now, friends, as New Testament Christ followers, we must not fail to realize that this attitude, this mindset, carries over into the New Testament. Paul gives us another hint, a clue, if you will, in his prayer for the Colossians. In the middle of his prayer in chapter 1, 10 through 12, he prays that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, 
growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now, Paul, Paul's use of this word glorious comes from a word I bet you've heard before, doxology. Doxology's root is the Greek word doxa, which means glory, honor, and praise. The Apostle John uses this very word in Revelation 4, 9 through 11, when he says, Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Again, these concepts turn up in Revelation 5, when John tells us, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength, and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and all that is in them singing to him that sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Now, friends, I say all this to say that the challenge before us is to view our whole life as a life lived in worship to the Lord. And a life lived in worship to the Lord will be a life that understands that the Lord is to be glorified in all that we do. And being conscious of this adds a depth of meaning to our four-pronged ministry mantra. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Friends, you may recall me saying a few weeks ago that it is not enough just to be channels for God. We must be loving channels. That's because everything we do is to be done in love per 1 Corinthians 16:14 and friends all that we do in love is to be done to the glory of God see how they complement each other there's no contradiction loving channels glorify God amen and loving channels who glorify God are characterized in scripture as children of light and this brings us full circle back to Ephesians 5:8 through 20 Listen to it briefly recapped. Verse 8, the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And that includes discovering what pleases the Lord, per verse 10. And ma making the most of every opportunity, 
verse 16, comprehending what the will of the Lord is from verse 17, and living a life of worship characterized by speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from verse 19, and finally giving glory to God by making music in your heart to the Lord and always giving thanks according to verse 20. You see, friends, if glorifying God is not our underlying motive for all that we do, then we are doing only will be engaging in religious activity and not true Christian ministry. True Christian ministry understands that glory belongs to God alone. We're reminded of this in Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And friends, this is why Jesus' words in the Beatitudes include this comment. Let your light so shine before others in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5.16. And so, today's installment, Lighting Our World to the Glory of God, speaks of a divine human equation, us lighting our world, but doing so with the intention that God, in turn, will get all the glory. Amen. Back in 1995, a song written by Chris Rice but released by Kathy Tricoli was called Go Light Your World. Check out some of these lyrics. Carry your candle. Run to the darkness. Seek out the hopeless, confused, and torn. Hold out your candle for all to see it. Take your candle and go light your world. Frustrated brother, see how he's tried to light his own candle some other way. See now your sister, she's been robbed and lied to, still holds a candle without a flame. Because we are a family whose hearts are blazing, so let's raise our candles and light up the sky. Praying to our Father in the name of Jesus makes us a beacon in darkest times. So carry your candle, run to the darkness, seek out the hopeless, confused, and torn. Hold out your candle for all to see it. Take your candle and go, light your world. Lord, help us to be a light, a glowing witness to you. I think of Jesus' words to his disciples in John 15. I chose you and have appointed you to go and produce fruit that will last. Friends, this calling? After all, isn't this the crux of our lives as Christ followers, living out what we believe in order to touch others with our faith, point them to Jesus, and give glory to God? I'm going to go back to Matthew 5 and the words of Jesus just before he concluded with, Let your light so shine before others. It's worth highlighting. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it useful again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father." Lord, we hear your call. Fill us anew with your spirit and empower us to share our faith and your love 
as people with a purpose, people with a mission. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, I see we're nearing the end of today's program. My hope is that our summer series is helping us all to look with Jesus' eyes, listen to the Spirit's voice, live out the Savior's call, love others with God's love, leave the solution to Christ, let God's grace flow through us, and light our world to the glory of God. Let's be praying for the people around us so they see Jesus in us. And let's ask the Holy Spirit for ways we can naturally and creatively touch others with our faith. Friends, remember our engineer's prayer? Have you been praying it? How is God answering it? Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so you can love them through me. Pray with the attitude you want to glorify God in all you say and do. Today's broadcast will close with an email where you may write me. I'd love to hear how you are touching others with your faith. Please also consider joining the support team. Just ask for the details. Thanks to you are helping this program stay on the air. I hope that during these challenging times, you're being blessed, encouraged, and sustained. One listener recently wrote in and said she always looks forward to listening to the program and has all the podcasts saved so she can go back and re-listen to them. Wow, thanks for that encouragement. Remember also that the podcasts are freely accessible at faithtalk1360.com. Well, friends, thanks for listening today. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. <laughs>